Hello and welcome back to the WP Elevation Business Podcast. I'm Ray Miladoni, the Marketing Manager here at WP Elevation. Over the last few years, we've been producing this podcast and we're always delivering new, fresh guests and ideas. But we kind of got thinking the other day, there's some really good golden nuggets deep down in the archives. So to bring them back to the top, we're doing a best of series. This is the WP Elevation Business Podcast, The Best Of. You're going to rehear some of the guests that have come on the podcast that the information is just too good not to hear again. With lots of new subscribers, I'm not sure if everyone's digging down to the gold that's at the bottom of the barrel. And that's a shame because business principles that have been taught from many of the leaders on our podcast over the years is just oozing with information and waiting to be heard and implemented. So I really hope that you enjoy the fact that we've gone down into the analytic rabbit hole and crunched all the numbers and read all the comments and found the best of the WP Elevation Business Podcast. Now, this content can be dated. So some of the things that have been mentioned while the principles are strong, there might be a competition or there might be a call to action that may no longer work. So just be mindful mindful of that if there's a reference to a link and that link doesn't work anymore. Well, that's enough from me. Back to the program and hope you enjoy. But be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're using. The best link to go to is wpelevation.com slash podcast and then follow the links to your podcatcher. Until next time, I'm Ray Mladoni. Go Elevate. Yeah. Cool. So Seth, can I just get you to tell me your name so I can make sure that your audio is working? So two cannibals are eating a clown and one cannibal says to the other one, does this taste funny to you? <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> That's excellent. You did the same pre-roll take on, uh, on the growth show. <laughs> that way I don't have to keep my story straight. <laughs> That's excellent. Christina, how are you going to match that? <laughs> uh, I can't. <laughs> I can't. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased to announce that our feature guest this week, we actually have two feature guests this week, we have uh, one of our WP Elevation members, Christina Romero, who is on the call, bearing her business soul and opening up about what her challenges are as a WordPress consultant and stay-at-home mum with two kids and a third on the way. And we have on the other side of the call, one of my heroes, one of my idols, a man who has had a huge impact on my business and my life through his books and presentations and emails and blog. I'm talking, of course, about the one and only Mr. Seth Godin. I've been uh, trying to get Seth on the podcast for quite some time, and I reached out to him recently after listening to the Growth Show podcast by HubSpot uh, that he was on, which is fabulous, by the way. You should definitely check that podcast out. I reached out to him and said, look, I'd love to get you on the podcast, but I don't want to interview you because I think that's been done to death. The whole interview format uh, has kind of just run its race, I think, for me anyway. Um, I'd love to challenge you. I'd love to get you on the call and get you to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty and help one of our freelancers with some very specific problems uh, that she's having. So um, it's a, a, a different type of call. This is the first time we've done something like this. Um, I think it's incredibly valuable. I'm actually going to loop back with Christina in 30 days' time and see uh, how her business has changed or her mindset or if anything has changed at all as a result of her conversation with Seth. Seth gives some advice in this call that Christina and I didn't uh, necessarily want to hear, but it's the truth. And um, Seth has this amazing way of being brutally honest with you and very charming and warm at the same time. He's a very, he's an amazing man, and, and uh, he was very generous to give some of his time to us here at WP Elevation. He's a very busy man, and I'm, I'm honoured and thrilled that he uh, gave up some of his time to spend uh, time with us on the podcast. So he's also given us a code for his freelancer course at uh, Udemy. He's got the Seth Godin freelancer course at Udemy. It normally sells for $57, which is ridiculous. Um, it was so cheap. 
and he's given us a code that you, so you can get it for 29 bucks. You can get 49% off. The code is WP. Um, so if you just go to udemy.com and put in Seth Godin Freelancer Course and then use the coupon code WP, you can get that course, which is massive, by the way. Uh, something like 87 lessons in that course um, from the master himself, Seth Godin, for $29. Everything in this podcast, all the links, that code, everything that we spoke about, you can also find at wpelevation.com slash Seth. This is a fabulous uh, episode. I hope you can stay with us. Let's elevate. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. The WP Elevation Business Podcast is brought to you by our members. That's right. This podcast wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for our members. So we want to take a moment to just thank them, past, future, or present. We really do love what you have created as a community at WP Elevation. This is the reason why this podcast can be a free resource that we produce at a high quality, not only audio, but also video, and able to syndicate that through the WordPress community. So if you've ever listened to a podcast and wondered how do we make this happen, well, it's because of our loving members and their support throughout the years. So we wanted to take this moment to thank you and make sure that you're appreciated and know that we would not be here if it wasn't for you and your support. So if you want to find out more about which members I'm talking about and what the program is all about, be sure to check out WPElevation.com. There's heaps of resources, checklists, podcasts, you name it. There's lots of resources there to help you elevate your business. Well, that's enough from me. And once again, from the deepest of our hearts, thank you for being part of our community. Back to the program. G'day, Troy Dean here, and I am absolutely beside myself with excitement because we have on the line here, all the way from the USA, two of my favourite people, Christina Romero from WP Elevation, and of course, the one and only Mr. Seth Godden. How are you lovely people? Wonderful. If she's good, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. This is a bit of an experiment, this, uh, this episode of the podcast, so bear with us. It could get a bit weird. Um, I reached out to Seth and said, hey, I'd love to get you on the podcast, but I don't just want to interview you because I feel like that's been done to death. What I'd really love to do is, uh, you know, let's roll our sleeves up and get our hands dirty in one of our members' businesses and see if we can help her overcome some of her challenges. And Seth very bravely accepted the, the challenge, and Christina has very bravely agreed to bear her soul to all and uh, open up with her challenges uh, to Seth. So Christina, perhaps do you want to just start off by giving us a little bit of an introduction um, about what your business is so that Seth can get a bit of a clearer picture there? Wonderful. Thank you so much, Troy. This is like a huge surprise and really fun <laughs> and scary at the same time. <laughs> um, so I started off as a WordPress website developer uh, coding and then I uh, got into WP Elevation that expanded into more of a business consultant uh, with websites type of uh, development coaching um, business. And I am um, a very busy person running my business. I'm a mom of two with a third actually due in September and I try to take it on, try to take it all on and um, I do everything from uh, website development where they come to me with a the design, then we code it onto WordPress, and then I stick them in a wonderful recurring revenue with maintenance plans. And now I'm branching out into sort of an online training environment for for all uh, businesses, despite uh, WordPress websites or not. And so trying to fit a full-time job in what really is probably part-time hours and trying to do that successfully Troy puts a lot of crazy ideas in my head, <laughs> so um, and so trying to apply all of those as well. So um, 
it's, it's, a, it's very good. I'm very happy doing what I'm doing and constantly have to fight back uh, a lot of full-time job offers from companies to stay doing what I'm doing. So, uh, so that's, that's a, it in a nutshell. So before we get into Christina's specific challenges, Seth, do you have any kind of overarching high-level questions at this stage? Well, let me just explain my bias. Um, you are doing something fabulous, and you might not need to change it in any way. You're calling what you do a job. And uh, if it's the job that you want, you should keep doing the job. I think we can have some interesting conversations about uh, focus or not. But the real challenge when one decides to take freelancing to the next level is to go beyond being a job into being someone who is unique, who is undeniable, who is remarkable, into someone who doesn't have any problem whatsoever charging a premium because you're the only one who does it. And a lot of freelancers, and I was a freelancer for a long time before I became an entrepreneur and now I'm a freelancer again, a lot of freelancers always feel behind the eight ball because the only way they know to do better is to do more work. Mm -hmm. And you end up being a horrible employee with a horrible boss because <laughs> your boss is constantly asking you to work more hours and pay you less and you're burnt out because you're working too hard and then the two kids and soon to be three want oatmeal and yogurt and you have no time. So I think that the real opportunity for talented people is to work themselves up the ladder so that they uh, are eagerly paid more for working less time because if you're getting paid by the hour you're probably not doing it right. right. Okay, excellent. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> that was worth the price of admission alone. Um, and for a free <laughs> podcast, that's not bad. Okay, so Christina, <laughs> let's dive a little bit deeper into what the specific challenges are that you're facing now and, and, and why you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed and what the territories that you're trying to navigate. One of the things that you want to talk about here, and I'll just plant this seed and then you can, you can um, explain, is, is increasing the profitability of your business without increasing the workload. So you want to just mm -hmm. explain a little bit about that? I think, yeah. And although I felt this was so unique to me, the more I thought about it, I guess everyone sort of struggles with it when they're a freelancer. But, um, but yeah, every time I'm faced with wanting to increase revenue, wanting to increase profit, it seems like almost every idea involves me increasing my time. And that's the rare commodity that I have right now. And right. so uh, I just, uh, I loved how you touched on that initially. I mean, you kind of got it right away where my biggest issue is, is time. And um, I, there's a struggle to um, apply everything you hear, you know, in your business. Oh, that sounds good. Oh, that sounds good. Um, and then you go to sit down and you're at the end, you know, at the end of my four hour work day. <laughs> it's, it's, too, you know, it's too late. I don't have any time left over. Um, so I want some strategies or some ideas about, I mean, you've seen it all. You've seen the way people have applied different strategies to increase profit. And is there any, do any exist that don't require really, truly increasing time, that good old-fashioned, you know, elbow grease uh, getting in there and spending the time to, to grow something? Um, okay, so here's the first principle. The first principle is you should sell stuff to people who want to buy it. You mm -hmm. should sell stuff to people who have money to pay for it. <laughs> and... Those seem obvious, but they are almost never done. So let's think about it. If, if some person with a small business doesn't have a website yet, I think they've already demonstrated through their inaction that they uh, aren't ready to buy something like this because if they were, they would have bought it already. 
mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of money to spend on it because they're viewing it as an expense, not an investment. If they thought that it was going to make them a lot of money, they would have bought it already. So it's easy to say, I'm going to run around getting pizza places and travel agencies and little small businesses to buy their first website. And I'm not saying that's what you're doing, right? But those are the very worst people in the world to call on. You want to call on, you want to call on someone who's not spending their own money, but is spending the boss's money and who is busy buying something that they know will solve a problem for them. So at this point, it's, not that you are the only freelancer who found them and you're lucky enough to get their business. It's that you're the best one in the world for them to hire. And it's obvious that they should hire you. And when they go to their boss, their boss will say, great work, good job hiring her. That is the hard part, right? So at one key element, it's about specialization. If you did nothing but build advanced high-producing websites for plastic surgeons and you had done seven plastic surgeons in a row and every single time it was an over-the-top success do you think you could charge the eighth plastic surgeon more of course you could because you'd go to her uh, admin slash office manager or whatever and show her what you've done and they'd fire the person they've currently got and she'd go to her boss and say boss we're, our business is going to double because this person's the best in the world at WordPress for plastic surgeons. And suddenly you have a waiting list, so you keep raising your prices because they can afford to pay it. They make it up in one nose job, right? <laughs> and so the challenge here is not to be a wandering generality, as my late friend Zig used to say. It's to be a meaningful specific, to figure out how to put all your chits in one pile and say, no one has more chits in this pile than me, and you can apply to be my client, but I'll probably turn you down. Right. So Seth, I'm curious, if I can just dig a little bit deeper here, because I think that there's something that people, I very rarely hear people talk about, which is at some point a freelancer, and I, and I absolutely 100% agree with what you've said, and it certainly has changed my business and my life as a result. But at some, I had the, the good fortune, I suppose you like, or, or, or the, or the, um, the fallback that I was able to pay the rent while I was specialising because I had other gigs. I do voiceovers, I play gigs around town, I'm a musician, so I could pay the rent. Something that a lot of people don't talk about is how do you get through that lean period where you are becoming a specialist? Right. So that's I call that the dip. And most people, when they get into the dip, the pain is too much and they have to veer to the other side. It's you know, one of the key symptoms is it's the difference between going to people and say, what do you want? And going to people and say, here, I made this. Do you want it? Mm. Because if you are the initiator of what is made, the premium you charge goes way up. If you're just a service provider, then you're one of many. You're never going to be able to charge a premium. But in mm. order to be able to do that, you need the, the reassurance to know that you're not going to be thrown out on the street if it doesn't work in two weeks. So for me, and it took me eight years, it's brown rice, black beans, don't go on vacation, don't go anywhere, cut your costs to almost nothing so that you can afford to get through the dip, right? Because the other people you're competing with aren't going to have that discipline, so they're going to run to the next shiny object, and you're going to be sitting there and sitting there and sitting there until you break through to the other side. So if you look at someone like my friend Hugh McLeod, the guy who does cartoons on the back of business cards, you know, the first three years that I knew Hugh, he was literally drawing cartoons on the back of business cards in pubs and handing them to people for free 
right? And yes, he figured out how to do something during the day to pay his rent, but Hugh was on a path. And then he did that change this um, publication that reached 3 million people. And he wouldn't have been able to do it if he hadn't spent three years earning the right to be able to speak with authority about what he wanted to be specific at. Mm -hmm. And the good news is you can bootstrap this. It doesn't have to take three years because you can pick any industry you want. So my suggestion is pick an industry that likes buying stuff like this, that's easily identified, mm -hmm. that is in the business of doing business with people who are new at it, right? So my friend Lynn was trying for years to sell toy ideas to Mattel, to Fisher-Price, and they all treated her with horrible disrespect because the toy business hates inventors. They hate them. They want nothing to do with them. And I persuaded Lynn to sell ideas to the book business because the book business loves inventors. And in 1987 or so, when she had her breakthrough, they were buying a book a day of three books a day, four books a day at some of these companies. And her decks of the 52 card decks you may have seen have gone on to sell 5 million copies because she was selling them to someone who wanted to buy them as opposed mm -hmm. to just waiting for the be the blind squirrel that finds an acorn now and then. <laughs> it's, it's so good advice. It doesn't matter how often you hear that, like don't build something and then try and sell it, build something that people already want to buy. Um, we had Hugh on the podcast recently actually, and it was a fascinating uh, interview. Big shout out to Hugh McLeod. So Christina, now yeah. you're in, in a very, you're and I know a little bit about your business. You're in a bit of a fortunate position because you already have some recurring revenue coming in, which is a little bit of a cushion, yeah? Oh, absolutely. That was the best thing I ever did. Now, it's funny because as much as Troy encourages to pick a specialty, I have resisted it because I take the lazy way out because I get referrals. So I never had to kind of pick a specialty because business always kind of came in. But what Seth is saying is just, kind of blowing it up a little bit because it's true. I mean, that's a wonderful um, point because I do get people it, who are the, you know, who are expecting, you don't have a website and haven't invested yet. And it is um, probably a lot lower than if I'd picked a, a field. I want to I I turn this upside down a little bit because I think you might be uh, over-interpreting what I'm saying. Um, what would happen if the only people you were allowed to sell to for the next two years are your existing clients. Yeah, I wouldn't make as much because... Well, but can't, <laughs> can't, but can't you do things for them that create what? enormous amounts of value that you're right. not currently doing for them? So they hear these people who already trust you, who already have a billing relationship with you. Your specialty could be, these are my clients. And instead of finding uh, new stuff to sell to new people, right? You find the things that the people you already have need. Because if you could go to somebody and say, I'll double your revenue by using these three techniques mm -hmm. and you don't have to pay me if it doesn't work, every one of your clients would say yes. Right. That's the beauty of the recurring revenue maintenance that uh, Troy helped me do because I end up having 25 clients every month and they do uh, come back. I'm, I'm in their business, so you know they do come back to me. I'm having trouble with this, and let's well, let's charge you X amount to change this about your website. So I'm constantly in there, which is really nice, and that's a wonderful point. Um, and so growing that list has been sort of a focus. And every time I do a website, I kind of make it a non-negotiable that they move on to a recurring maintenance. And then I'm again that personal relationship, which actually kind of feeds into that next question I was talking about. Um, 
I don't know if you want to go there. Yeah, it's yet. a lot, it's a good segue because I do want to I do want to touch on at some point. I do want to touch on product productization, Seth. I think okay. one of the things um, leverage is key, especially as a freelancer. And I think productizing services. And so I'll come back to the messaging question in a minute, Christina. But if we can just talk about leverage for a second, is is you know is the idea to take what you take what you currently do as a service as a freelancer productize it and find a way to roll that out that does it, that you can either use technology or delegate to a team member to actually help you roll that out so that it's not you know you're not only getting paid when your hands are on the tools okay so it's good work if you can get it because it moves you from being a freelancer to an entrepreneur if that's your goal what? Entrepreneurs get paid when they sleep. Entrepreneurs build something bigger than themselves. Mrs. Fields doesn't make the cookies you're buying when you go to Mrs. Fields, right? <laughs> what? You're kidding me. <laughs> and the thing is, uh, almost all freelancers are terrible at this. They're terrible at it emotionally, but also they don't really have a product that's worth productizing because the magic of somebody is the empathy, is the willingness to see the new problem. So yes, if you can figure out how to turn that into a WordPress plugin that 1 million people pay you $4 for, fabulous. But most people who are freelancers can't do that. So if I wanted to hire 20 people to go give the Seth Godin speech, I don't think it would work because I think people pay a lot for Seth Godin to come give a speech because it's me, right? Not productizable. Whereas a book once you've gotten a certain following, you can productize a book in that when someone read it yesterday, I wasn't there reading it to them. It read itself, right? So that all of those things are possible. But I think it's really important before you go down that path to say, what is this for? This project I do. Is it to just make me a bigger pile of something or a bigger impact? Or is it the craft of doing it? So I became a freelancer again. Because what gets me out of bed is the craft of doing it myself. If you see a word, I wrote it. If you see me talking about something, it's my words, right? So there are other people who do what I do who have figured out how to productize it and scale it. Not my interest. My interest is to say, I want to be a craftsperson who does a different thing tomorrow than I did yesterday. This is a choice, right? So your choice going into this is you're saying, I know what my needs are. I got to support my three kids. I don't want to work that many hours. I would say, though, to you, if you don't have the mindset of an entrepreneur, you need to discipline yourself to say, by when you're done with maternity leave, December, my rates are going to be triple what they are now. Mm -hmm. What would you have to do in the quality of what you deliver, in the insight of what you deliver, to be able to charge triple? Because that is how you move up the ladder. You don't say, everyone else charges $15 an hour, I charge 16 you say everyone else charges $15 an hour, I charge $45 and I'm a bargain. What would that require? What asset would you need to own? And it's those assets that enable you to leverage your ability as a freelancer. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And it's funny because, um, in fact, one of the questions that Christina's got here is that, that Christina, you're saying that your personal connection with clients is actually what sells how, I mean, how do you scale that? Apart from, you know, writing books, which I actually think is a great, I mean, you know, i got a whole bookcase full of your books here, Seth, and it's part of how I got to know you and how I discovered you. And I think that you've managed to grow an, an, an enormous audience by not having to be in, this, in all those places at once, just through the power of, which we can do online now through webinars, ebooks, whatever it is. Um, but apart from that, how do you scale that? 
that personal connection with people? Is it just something that you can't scale? Well, again, a personal connection with a pizzeria owner is only worth X. The same amount of personal connection with somebody who runs a $10 million company is worth way more than X. Because she didn't wake up in the morning saying, I need to spend $100 an hour on somebody who's an expert. She's saying, if they're not charging me $1,000 an hour, they must not be any good. Because <laughs> she's the kind of person that pays $1,000 an hour for people who transform her business. Yeah. And you know, just to use graphic design as an example, if you want Milton Glaser to do your logo or Stefan Sogmeister to do your logo, it's not a logo that you could get from Elance, not yeah. in cost. You might get the same logo, but the story that comes with a Milton Glaser logo costs $100,000 and Milton's happy to charge it and people are happy to pay it. So that's the challenge to move up the ladder is I think unless you have a very special insight that could be written down in a book and are willing to spend five years promoting it, mm -hmm. my instinct is you leverage this uh reputation that you have, you leverage this network you have to build an asset, to build a circle of people who are desperate to be in the circle. So I, I tell the, the story in my freelancer course of an ad agency in London years ago that was winning all these awards. And what happens when a small ad agency wins a lot of awards is clients want to join in. When you get more clients, you got to hire more people. When you hire more people, you get more clients, but the people you hire are below average because they're willing to work for you. And the clients you get are below average because they're just looking for somebody new. And you end up becoming mediocre. Then you sell out to WPP or Sachi and Sachi and you're done. These guys said, we're not going to do any of that. We're not going to add any new clients. We're not going to hire any new people. We're not going to add any new clients, which means in order for us to take a new client, we got to fire an old one. <laughs> and as soon as they said that to their clients, everything changed because you're sitting in the meeting saying, we think you should try this. And they're going, well, you know, you know, we got a waiting list and we have to fire someone if we want a client. So the clients start behaving better. Right. And so that mindset that says I only get this many hours a week. Who do I want to be my clients means you have a different posture. And the posture isn't, boy, am I lucky that this person is willing to pay me? It's. Who will, do I choose to be my next customer? Mm -hmm. That is gold. Um, okay. <clears throat> so, 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 Christina, talk to us about, because I think, so, so the question then is how do you communicate your specialty to the right people? So, Christina, do you mm -hmm. want to just touch on this question you've got here about messaging? Yeah. Um, I seem to do really well when I connect with the client, when I'm on a call, um, and everything's virtual for me, but I'm usually able to convince them to do, <laughs> to, to do probably more than they want. So that's definitely a strength for me. I just can communicate very well that way. Um, and yet, you know, I've had this new idea that I'm kicking off this sort of online training, uh, recurring revenue program. Um, and, and I found, you know, I'm, now I'm selling something to the masses, whereas before I'm sort of selling one-on-one. -on -one. And it's just, there's such a disconnect. I mean, when I talk to someone on the phone to get them to support my Kickstarter, it, it like, it happens right away. But when I'm emailing people or I'm social media or anything like that, there's just, it's like crickets. I just can't get that messaging across. And, um, and so I guess it's sort of a twofold question. I mean, where, you know, how do you take that, that what you do well, whether it's that personal connection, one-on-one -on -one conversation and translate it into that sort of mass marketing. And then two, what type of marketing out right now does have that personal feel to it. 
Okay, are you listening? <laughs> yes. Don't do this. <laughs> you sound like my husband. <laughs> I know what I know what you want. I know that you want to wake up in the morning, open your mailbox, and find all this money in it every day for the rest of your life. But you're not good at this. You're good at something else. You're good at being you. And you made the statement that you can get people to do things they don't want to. That's not true. Actually, you're really good at getting people to do things they do want to, but are afraid to do. That's what you're good at. And to join the endless list of hucksters and people who are desperate to get someone to click the button to buy the PDF or the ongoing training or the this and the this and the this, you know, you could probably make that work for a little while, but you're never going to be happy doing it. And the chances that you're going to get to the other side of the dip and be the next Norman Vincent Peale, Dale Carnegie, uh, Anthony Robbins, this is not going to happen because too many people are trying to get through that dip and the amount it takes to get through it keeps getting to be greater. And so I know it's tempting because guess what they sell most of those guys? Instructions on how to go do what they're doing, hmm. right? They're like Levi Strauss, busy selling to the gold miners. But that's not your thing. That's not what gets you excited. It's not what you're good at. And it's a cop-out that's going to end up causing you to have many tears in the end. Mm -hmm. I think instead you need to find clients who are worth every bit of live care and energy and charisma you can bring them. And if you don't like the clients you've got now, get better clients. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you should be sitting there making videos that people are going to pay for. Because guess what? Digital stuff really hard to sell. Mm. Uh. Mm. That's, I, I, know, I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> I know exactly what you're saying. So and I think you have a good point. <clears throat> so how do you scale impact then, Seth? Like if you just genuinely want to impact more people because you know that every time you impact a client, it, 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 it warms you. It, like for me, it warms my heart when I get emails from Christina saying, you know, sure? how, how the impact that my training's had on her business. How do you scale that impact then? Well, the first thing I'd say is the word more is a four-letter word that I would think really hard before using. Why is more people better mm. than impacting the people you've currently got mm. with greater impact, mm. right? I stopped looking for more readers four years ago. Mm. I don't promote my blog. I don't do any SEO. Mm. I don't go on book tours. Not looking for more people. I mm. write for the people I already got mm. because if I can open the door a little and then open the door a little bit more and open the door a little bit more. I think that's better than standing on a street corner yelling at strangers saying, over here, look at me. Because mm. you never get to infinity. So you, the idea of deeper rather than wider, I think is compelling. But mm. the second thing is you can impact different people different ways. If you decide that your real skill is turning strangers into friends to go wide, then you need a funnel that reaches lots of people. So for example, if you decide that in a one-hour live talk to 100 people, you can get 10 who will then want to go through your process, whatever that is, then you know every time you talk to 100 people, you'll get 10 new ones. So then your job is to go create a circuit where you're speaking to this church group or this yoga group or this, that group, constantly putting people at the top of the funnel as they work their way down. Or you do something that every great religion in history has ever done, which is you get the people who already engage with you to get you the next people, that 10 by 10 by 10. 
that you say what this is about. The first rule of Fight Club is everyone talks about Fight Club. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. And then you enlist <clears throat> your people to generously bring you new people because you've changed them so much. That's totally valid. That works too. But this idea of going to stranger as a marketing tool used to work better than it works today. You used to be able to put a flyer on someone's door and they would call you on the phone. That works almost not at all. Facebook ads are not a useful, effective way to convert a stranger into a paying customer. It's hard because all these marketers have jumped in. They didn't bother to read permission marketing and they're just spamming the world. So you don't want to join them. You want to go in exactly the opposite direction and either go super deep or come up with a funnel filling system that people are eager to participate in. Yeah. Hmm. That is great advice. Maybe not what you wanted to hear, Christina, but has, uh, <laughs> has any of this been useful? Oh, it's been incredibly useful. I know I knew I'd probably hear things I didn't want to hear. No, it's, and it's true. I mean, someone very close to me, like my husband, will look at something like my new idea and be like, you know, but why aren't you going this direction? <laughs> it's just so funny that, you know, I feel a little bit of that too. It takes someone on the outside in to, to see into what you're doing and, and kind of encourage you in a different direction. Um, you know, I think there's room for a little bit of that in what I'm doing, but I love the idea of, um, thinking a little bit more about the pricing I have now for my sites and the people I'm going for. Um, it just was explained a little bit better to me on this, on this podcast today. Excellent. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that's been helpful. Seth Godin, I really want to thank you again for your time. I know you're a busy man and thank you very much for giving up some of your valuable time to help Christina. Christina, thank you for bearing your business soul on the show and uh, I wish you all the best and I'll loop back with you, Christina, in 30 days from now and uh, see how you're tracking along. Great. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Seth. And Christina, good luck with the new edition. Thank you We're very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast as much as I did. I was out of bed at five o'clock this morning to be in the office before six so I could make that call with Christina and Seth. And I tell you, it was worth getting out of bed at that time. I'd get out of bed at one o'clock in the morning if it meant I could chat with Seth Godin about business. Um, so much respect for that guy. And again, a huge thank you to Seth and Christina for spending some time with us on the podcast and being open and transparent and honest and awkward about um, you know everything. Because sometimes these conversations do get a bit awkward, but I think the more comfortable you can get in that awkwardness, then the more uh, breakthroughs you have and the more uh, value you get out of those conversations so a huge shout out to christina and seth for participating uh, this podcast this episode is brought to you by video user manuals it is a wordpress plugin that uh, puts a whole bunch of video tutorials in the back end of your client's dashboard to teach your clients how to use wordpress you can uh, check that out at videousermanuals.com or you can just go to wpelevation.com slash vum 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 wpelevation.com slash vum and uh, check it out, watch a little video that we made there uh, that explains it all. And um, if you're building websites for clients using WordPress, then use it to uh, teach your clients how to use WordPress so you don't have to. Uh, what else is happening? Oh, that's right. Everything about this episode you can find at wpelevation.com slash Seth, S-E-T-H, including a link to his freelancer course on Udemy where you can get it for 49% off. So you can get it for 29 bucks instead of 57, which is ridiculous. 87 lessons, um, <laughs> 87 lessons, that's just nuts. 87 lessons uh, about um, freelancing 
Seth Godin's freelancer course. Become remarkable, find better clients, and do work that matters. Uh, currently 10,000 students enrolled in that course. There you go, not bad. Um, <laughs> so you can get it for $29 by going to wpelevation.com slash Seth and following the links, or just go to udemy.com and search for Seth Godin's freelancer course and use the coupon code WP and you'll get that uh, 49% off. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I am. My name is Troy Dean. Uh, if you're enjoying what we're doing, please get on over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps us come up in the search results. Check us out at wpelevation.com for everything WordPress business related. Uh, until next week, go elevate.